Okay, my name is Hana. Thank you for asking me. I'm a grateful compulsive overeater and it's wonderful to be here. And it's wonderful to see all the faces. I know I get to see faces from all kinds of different places, countries, and I'm going to meeting in all kinds of places in different countries. But I'm one of those people I'm looking forward to seeing you face to face again and not just in a little box. And uh, the topic is, you know, what it used to be like, what happened and what it's like now. An attitude adjustment meeting. How huh, did my attitude need to be adjusted? I mean, I have one attitude that everybody was not doing it my way, so there was something wrong with me. Not me, I'm sorry, you, of course. Today I know whatever comes my way, I have to react in a different way. But feeling uh, like an outsider, I think that was the biggest thing that always dragged me into my compulsive eating because from the time I can think, Everything was wrong that was around me. I, grew, I started out in Germany. I was born in 1939, so I gave my age away, but I only admit to 39, right? Even though I've been in program for 43 years. But anyway, from the time I could think, I always wanted to be someplace else because it wasn't any good where I was. And that practically took me halfway or more around the world. And I finally found the program in Southern California, where I am now, in Pasadena, to be precise, but I'm not there anymore. But anyway, um, I just want to always, I don't like a food a lot, but I always want to say, in retrospect, when I first had my compulsive obsession thoughts, I was five years old. And as you know, we had a world war in, in Europe, every place else in the world. And all the little kids had malnutrition. I was one of them. So we had to line up in the gym and we had to swallow a big spoon of cod liver oil. If you've ever swallowed that, it's horrible. But I thought, well, you know, it's going to go down, so it must be okay. But then in order to get us to come back the next day, because they were worried that a lot of people wouldn't, a lot of kids, they gave us a tiny little piece of chocolate that wasn't any bigger than my thumbnail. And that was an instant love affair. That was my compulsion. And, you know, I didn't know anything green was edible until I came to program. But anyway, all my little peers ran and screamed and said, I'm not going back. That's terrible. And you know what I did? I went to the end of the line. I was willing to swallow another spoon of cod liver oil in order to get that little binge food. And that's without knowing about it. That was an obsession that dragged me to the sugary foods. That's all I lived on before I came to this program. But I didn't know I was a compulsive overeater until, you know, I started dieting, which was, I can, I think I was 26 years old. In the meantime, I had left all the people who weren't any good in Germany. And I went 6,000 miles away, moved to Canada. I knew it was going to be better there. But, uh, and I lived there for a number of years and I found a husband there with an other compulsion. I'm one of those people, you know, ordinary people, they're boring. I mean, I wanted excitement in my life and I got it, believe me. But anyway, so, but the people weren't any good either. But then I found out that if you eat less, you weigh less. Everybody in my family, all the females were overweight. So I didn't even know that if you eat less, you weigh less. And my top weight was about 200 pounds, but I didn't get there until after I was married. Because when I was 20 years old, I thought I was getting to be an old maid and marriage was very popular in those days. So I decided to find a husband. And of course I found a charming outgoing alcoholic, right? And, but I thought the charm and all that would rub off on me. Of course it didn't, you know? So, but then I blamed everything on him. I just transferred my blame from the people 
to him. And I remember that the only reason why I thought I need to marry that guy, he's so charming, because I figured from now on, everything's going to be wonderful. And I don't have to worry anymore. I actually wrote into a diary. And my last entry was, now I married the most wonderful man in the world. I don't have to write in my diary anymore. And you know what? I should have started a new one. Because we were married 10 years while I was drinking and 16 years before I found my program. But anyway, so I decided, you know, it, if he would not have all those bad friends, things would be better. And we came to California. And fortunately, I found my program here because people here weren't any better than they were in Canada and Germany. And I started working on the papers to go to Australia. I really would have made it all the way around the world. But anyway, so all of a sudden, uh, miracle, which I didn't believe in miracles, of course not, uh, happened. And my husband found his program. And I should have been deliriously happy, right? Now, I mean, that guy, I've got him under control. I didn't know that the program works, what it was all about. but. I, I wasn't happy. I was even more unhappy. He would go there and I would sit at home wrapped in my blanket at night when it was cool, eat, eat up a storm. And, uh, you know, now we're not going to have fun anymore for the rest of our lives and everything is going to be terrible. But he wouldn't go to Australia anymore. So I was stuck. And I found out that if you eat less, you weigh less. And I said, how do you do it? And someone said, oh, hey. Now, I had been uh, to an OA meeting two years prior, and I made, what I did was, you know, we always suggest identify with the similarities, and I identified with all the differences. We had a guy there who showed his genes that were that big, and of course, he was at a healthy, normal weight, and identified with all the th differences. I said, I never wore jeans. You know, a mumo doesn't count, but I never wore jeans, so I didn't go back. And two years later, somebody else told me again, who lost weight, I went to OA. Oh, I tried that, that doesn't work for me. And believe me, it does work. But she made a deal with me, she was gonna meet me there. And she met me at the meeting and she left, but I am still here. And that was over 43 years ago. And I'm forever grateful. So half, more than half of my life, I've been in this program. And it took me a long time to get the message. You see, there are lots of different parts to the program. I kind of got the first half of the first, but I looked at it as a diet. I went on gray sheet, 150%, right, fanatic. And then I went on a little binge, actually was a big one, over Christmas in 1977. But I am so grateful that the miracle happened and I came back on January 6th. Why? I don't know. I picked up what we call that thousand pound phone and called someone. And I'd never done anything over again. If a diet wasn't any good, you found something else. If this wasn't any good, you went someplace else. And I went back and slowly but surely I got it. Now, the first half of the first step, you know, that wasn't a big problem. I knew I kind of had a problem with food. But what I didn't realize, the second half of the first step, I had to make changes in my head. And uh, I had, in retrospect, I always look back and I say, I only had to change one thing. You know what that was? Everything. And so then slowly I had a sponsor and the sponsor adopted me. I didn't, I, I didn't, I wouldn't ask anybody to be a sponsor. And she was my sponsor for 30 years until she passed away. And, you know, she was wonderful. She was so patient with me because, you know, I still knew everything. But slowly but surely, I started to work the steps. i tell you about my first inventory. I mean, you know, I kind of got the first step, never mind the second and third, but inventory. So I wrote my inventory. You know how long it was? Half a page because, you know, there was absolutely nothing wrong with me. And later on, I did my inventory with my sponsor. <laughs> it seemed to take us forever. But 
it takes a while before I really realized all the things that I have to change and all the things in retrospect that changed to me. I told you I didn't believe in miracles. Today I do. Coming to the program was a miracle. Finding this husband who had a wonderful program, of course, not when I met him, was a miracle. And coming back after a binge and still being here and being willing to learn. You know, one of the biggest problems I had, patience. You know that word? I always say I don't know how to spell patience in kitchen because I don't like to cook. But anyway, I learned it very slowly and sometimes the hard way. But this program has given me so much courage. And we talk about courage, attitude adjustment. Today, I don't have to get mad at people anymore. If I, you know, if somebody says something that I don't like very much, well, you know, maybe, maybe they're still working on the program or what's my part in it? You know, I just talk to a God that I definitely didn't believe in when I came. And when people said, I get on my knees every morning, you know, and I turn my will and life over to God and, uh, you know, ask for willingness. And of course, that wasn't for me. Guess what I do now? I think it took me about five years. I called the first five years of my program, my apprenticeship. So if you're fairly new, keep coming back. It does work. I'm a slow learner. So it took me longer. But I'm still here and that's another miracle. But working, you know, giving service in program and there's so many of you who are in service, you're secretary of a meeting and just going to a meeting, you know, in, one, in the old days we had to put up chairs, right now you don't because we don't have any chairs and putting out literature and all that stuff. And that was so important to me. The first time I was asked to stand for the position of secretary, I thought, oh my God, I can't do it. And then they had three of us who wanted to be secretary. That's a miracle too. Nowadays, we don't have that many. We have to ask people many times if they would be willing to give service. And they elected me. And that was, you know, I had to be abstinent because I had to go up every, I think it was a Wednesday night in Pasadena and tell them how long I had abstained. And so that might've kept me abstinent. I don't know, but whatever, every little bit helps. And working for the program has been my life. After about 25 years ago, I lost this wonderful husband and both of us, I mean, we just loved the program. We were the best of friends, you know, with someone that I blame for everything. And we were kind of convention junkies. We went to his convention. We went to my conventions. I'm looking forward. Do you know that Orlando is supposed to be face-to-face, -face, our World Service Convention? And I'm hoping it will be. I mean, it actually will be, but I'm hoping we can all go, whoever wants to go. The region convention, of course, is still virtual in July because because they got out of their contract, their hotel contract. But service has kept me coming back, even during times where I thought, nah, you know, I mean, I don't really want to go to a meeting. Or when my husband would pass away because of cancer, you know, I wasn't able to get to meetings. And people would come to my house in those days we could do it. Or they would drag me out away and somebody would say, I'll just stay here for a while, you know, to be with him until he passed. And they kept me connected to the program. And that's another thing that's so important. I never had any friends when I grew up because, you know, I, I didn't like you because basically inside I knew you didn't like me. So I never opened up to anyone. And in this program, I've learned so much. And as I said, my first inventory was so short because, of course, I couldn't tell you any of my deep, dark secrets compared to some other people, what I heard, and I'm grateful we had a lot of speaker meetings because people talked about the things that happened to them and what they have gone through. I would never tell you anything like that. But before I opened up and before I heard people share in meetings, I never thought that anybody had such a terrible life that, than I had. 
And I grew up and I was always told I would never amount to anything, which is not a good thing to you know, tell a child, but I believed it. So when I came to program, it also opened up a world of knowledge to me. I came, I was a typist. I retired as a partner in a tax accounting firm. Now, if that's not a miracle, I don't know what. Now, there's no guarantee that the program guarantees you a good job or a career, but it's possible. There are no limits. And this program has also given me a lot of courage doing things. I've been to places you won't believe. I mean, and getting on a plane was terrifying to me, even driving a car on the freeway. And so after I came to believe, you know, that came, came to, came to believe, step two, three, I said, okay, HP, we'll get on the freeway today. And as I said, in Pasadena, we had one. And so I made a deal with God and I got on the freeway and got off at the next exit. And I said, oh, we've done it. Getting on my first flight. And I did some of the things when I was binging. But you see, I always had my food that made me happy and that took care of me, kind of, I thought. Anyway, so the same with the flight, getting on a flight, abstinent for the first time. And what I did was I kind of nonchalantly knocked three times on the outside of the plane and I said, okay, God, now you got me. And I still say this vanity prayer when we start rolling, but believe me, I have been all over the world and abstaining, going to countries like, for instance, Mongolia, Tibet. Uh, China. I mean, China is easier. But anyway, I had to compromise. So what I did at times, because you can't take your food with you if you're gone for four weeks, and people have had problems, and we've talked about it. And today, I added a grain to my program. I had to because of medical reasons. But so what I did, I took a bag of dry oatmeal. And in the middle of nowhere, where I was told you cannot eat anything, it's not safe. I'd have a couple of spoons of oatmeal and that was my meal. But it is possible. It is possible to abstain and work the program no matter where we go in the world. And courage was such a big thing. I did things, but I was terrified while I was doing it. When I had to get on board that ship when I left Germany, I felt like saying, can I stay home? But my pride, my false pride would not allow, not allow me to do that. And today, I know I'm not perfect, but I don't have to be afraid. If I make a mistake, believe me, I make many. All the things that I've done for OA, I have to ask a lot of people for advice. And sometimes if I do something that's not quite right, you know, saying, I'm sorry. It's not a big deal, but it was before I came to program. I could not admit that anything was wrong with me. And I was talking to a friend the other day, you know, I had a top on and she said, you know, I kind of like that. That's kind of nice. And I said, thank you. I said, it was a wonderful deal I got. It was very expensive. And you know what I did for a program? If somebody told me that, I said, well, you know, I actually got it at a thrift shop and it was very cheap. Like I was trying to explain it away when somebody tried to pay me a compliment. Now they wouldn't have said anything if they would, have liked, would not have liked the darn top. But I took everything personal. So if I don't like what you're wearing. I don't tell you I don't like what you're wearing, but I don't say anything. But if I like it, I say, hey, that's a beautiful blouse you have. And then if the person says, thank you, we can talk about it, where we got it, or it was a good deal. But if they say, oh, I got it, it was a cheap thing, so, yeah, it's secondhand and all that, that would turn me off today. Now, today, I understand why people say that, because I used to do that. But it's all due to the program that I learned all this. 
I mean, it's been quite an education and I've been privileged to go to meetings in other countries. You know, what's really exciting. I went to a meeting in Auckland, New Zealand, one, uh, New Zealand one time and I was talking up a storm because somebody picked me up. Someone I knew from World Service had arranged for someone to pick me up. I was standing there talking and somebody tipped me on the shoulder and said, hey, Anna, it's good to see you, wow at the other end of the world. And it's all because of program. I didn't have any friends. And today I have tons of friends. I can go wherever I want to. I can go to a meeting and you're all friends of mine. Attitude adjustment. Mine really needed to be adjusted. And slowly but surely, you know, I've been getting there. But you see, only because I've been abstaining in this program for 43 years and maintained about a 90, around 90 pound weight loss, it doesn't mean I haven't made. That's why every morning I have to do it again, over and over again, get on my knees and ask my hair power. And I keep it simple. You know, I was like that, keep it simple, stupid. Some people don't like it. They like keep it simple, sweetie. But I said, well, I wasn't too smart. So stupid's fine for me. I get on my knees and I say to my hair, please help me to accept what comes my way today. And please help me you know, to have a good, clean, and I add it as I get older and medical problems come healthy abstinence today. Three minutes. Thank you very much. And please help me to treat others the way I would like to be treated because that was the big, big difference. I could be short with you, but don't you dare be short with me. So therefore we never had any conversations at all. And I was never able to share, which believe not even with my husband except after when we had a program, both of us. And you know, that's the person that so should be the closest person to you. And he was, but only when I found my program. He had a funny thing that he did to me when I was first in program, otherwise he wouldn't have done it. I could not stand anybody coming close to me. If anybody wanted to give me a hug, their arms went up, don't get too close to me. And so he, I was in training. He would put his arms around me and hold me. And I would start to weave after a few seconds. But when I held still, when I was still for about two minutes, he said, okay, you graduated. And you see, those are the differences. I like the touch today. And that's what I miss when I go to meetings. Hey, how are you? Give you a hug. Can't do that now, but we will do it again. And I'm grateful. I wanna say one more thing before I close. I'm also grateful that we have the Zoom meetings today. When I came, all we had was a telephone and we couldn't even have two people on the same line. I don't know what would have happened to OA. For that reason, I'm grateful that we have the Zoom today and that we can scoot all over the place. I have a sister in Germany, my only living relative, who is in program. And we can talk to each other. And I can see all of you. I can go to her, the meeting where she goes. I can go to a meeting with friends in Mexico and everywhere, wherever I want to go. So I'm grateful for that. But that doesn't mean I don't look forward to going to face-to-face -face meetings again. And we're actually starting a couple. It's kind of hard to sit apart, you know, six feet, wear your mask and yell at people because otherwise they don't understand you. But we're getting there and I'm grateful. And this program has given me so much courage. Believe it or not, this 81-year-old lady, I traveled during the pandemic to Europe and everybody said, you won't get in. I said, that's my problem, not yours. And every time I got on a plane, you won't get there. I said, that's my problem. And I protect myself. You know, I wore the plastic gloves and the mask and the face shield and everything was A-OK -okay. and I got there. And you know, because I wanted to visit my sister. And uh, so the pandemic didn't stop me, but I would have never had the courage to do this. And if I hadn't gotten there, it would have been okay too. 
but doing the footwork, doing the footwork to try to do what I feel is necessary for me. Well, maybe that wasn't necessary, but what I wanted to do, but also doing the footwork that I have to do for this program. And I've been in service to program, done everything I've asked and always, well, I'm not sure if I can do it, but I did it anyway. Like being a convention chair, working for the region, working as region two trustees. And as I said, before the meeting started, you know, my time is up the end of this month after the World Service Business Conference. And you know what I'm telling everybody? It's gonna be wonderful because I'm gonna get promoted. If you know the triangle, the pyramid, the upside down pyramid, the people at the very bottom, those are the people who work for you, trustees, chairs, et cetera, and it works up. And you, the members, you're the most important people and you're right on the top of the reverse pyramid. And so I keep saying, I'll get promoted when I'm not trustee anymore. I become a regular member of OA and then they have to work for me, right? And it's been a wonderful journey. So I really appreciate you asking me. Thank you again, Becky. And uh, that's all I have to share.